minutes. A couple minutes. Yeah. You guys okay with me? You have to. Because um, they won't start the PCA. Good, and heaven forbid that we should miss a moment. No, well, they'll miss a moment of you. They won't know you when you say it's January 16th. Right. That'll be, that won't be recorded. Heaven forbid. How you doing? What's Aaron? this? Happy New Year. Do we know if, um, she's not coming. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Do you want to give me the price? Okay. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, it's so relaxed. It's really nice. Thank you. Thanks, Donnie. Okay. Welcome to the Recreation, Music, and Parks Commission meeting for Wednesday, January 16th, 2013. And it's, it's 7 o'clock. I'd like to call the meeting to order and say Happy New Year <laughs> to all of you. It's wonderful to, to be back and to see you all. Hope your holidays were great. Um, we're going to start with a roll call. Here. Here. Escudero. Here. Helen. Here. Klotz. Here. Martin. Here. And Holy. Great. And Aaron, would you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, please? Any additions or corrections to the minutes, please? There were no minutes. It's a result of system issues. Okay, shall we do that approval at our next meeting? Okay, great. In the absence of minutes from our November meeting, let me ask for uh, public comment. Is there any public comment? Seeing no one coming forward, uh, we'll move on to special announcements by commissioners. And may we start on the far end of the dais, at the right of the dais, please. Okay. Okay. I have a few upcoming events. Um, at Kavanaugh Center will be hosting a workshop. Daily Acts will be hosting a workshop on February 3rd. Um, it will be a pruning and grafting workshop for those gardeners wishing to learn more and uh, hone in on their pruning and grafting skills. So learn more at dailyacts.org or call 789-9664. Great. Thanks, Erin. No. 
Okay, great. Um, I don't have anything that won't fit under comment about my parks and, and liaison activities. So that takes us um, very quickly. We wanted to make a shift in the, um, in the order of the agenda today because we have a, a big item that we're looking at. And so we wanted to shift item six and item seven and begin with new business to be followed by program and partnership reports. So may we have our report from staff on the uh, Riverfront project. And before you begin, I just wanted to note, if, if you would um, be willing to hear this, that everybody that you see in front of you, except for Council Member Teresa Barrett, has, this is our first look at a, at a project. And so as much detail as you can provide and as patient as you can be with questions, we would really appreciate it. And we'll take a moment for, for your report for the applicant, if the applicant is here to, to talk about um, the project. And then we will have questions from the commission. And I'm wondering if you prefer that those questions come after your presentation or interspersed or what's your preference? Um, thank you for that overview, it was very helpful. Um, I'd, I'd be pleased to take the questions as they occur to the uh, uh, commission members um, and we can just have a, we can have a dialogue that way. Okay, great, thank you. And then once that piece is completed, we'll come back to commissioners for comment as well. Great, thank you. Thank you and welcome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jeff Bradley. Um, I'm a principal planner uh, with Metropolitan Planning Group and also with the uh, City of Petaluma. I'm here to introduce this project to you. It's called uh, Riverfront. And before I jump into the, uh, the details, I just want to make sure everyone is familiar with the location and particularly that uh, access. And I'm going <laughs> to do my best not to get Teresa Barrett in the, in the eye with my, with my laser pointer, which I've been known to do, not to Councilmember Barrett, to, to other, other council people. Um, so this, this is the site, near, nearly 40 acres of, of land uh, between Highway 101, the Paluma River, of course. Uh, we call this the Pomeroy property, but it's not really the Pomeroy property anymore. It's now owned by a large corporation called uh, our URS, and it's actually nearly as big as, as the riverfront property, but it extends off in, in this manner over here with a lot of uh, more, more river frontage, but uh, uh, more linear in shape. And so this is, this is Hopper Street here. And Hopper Street, of course, runs all the way down, um, fronting these properties and kind of coming to a pinch point down here with the railroad tracks and Lakeville. And they all kind of come together at D Street. So the access property, the access points for this property would be two points. You could come in off D Street, along that street, right along the railroad tracks, and come all the way down this way. Or um, off of Lakeville, you could come off the new, uh, the new Caulfield extension, which is existing, and it takes you over the, over the railroad tracks, and then you would turn uh, left uh, into the property. And so that's the, that, that's the setting. This, this property here, is unique. This is the city's old uh, water treatment plant or sewer treatment plant, as it's known. It's not used as that anymore, but it's still an important facility because all the pipes, from what I understand, a lot, a lot of the pipes still come to that point, and there's a, a pumping station here, 
then all the effluent is pumped out to the new uh, water recycling facility. So it's not, um, people think of it as like a, a disused or abandoned facility, um, but as the folks in water remind us, it, it is a, still an important link in that piece of infrastructure. And then up in here, you have a variety of, of smaller businesses, uh, such as a, a Chevron station, and an In-N-Out Burger, and um, some warehouse, uh, a mini storage uh, type facilities. So that's kind of the, that's the general lay of the land. The parcel is generally flat. Uh, there's a bit of a drop off uh, at this ledge here as it goes down the river. There was, historically, this property was sort of created by dredge material that was taken out of the river and then deposited and kind of built up in that fashion. Any questions at, at that point? Yes, I'm also aware that Mary Isaac Center is there Correct. and the animal shelter, and are, is it anticipated that those facilities will still be there? Yeah, we, the, technically all those facilities are, are off-site in this quadrant here. So I talked a little bit about the, the pumping station and then the Mary Isaac Center is here and then the, um, the animal facility is down this corner. And then the, also the city's corporation yard kind of wraps around in an L shape and, and sort of brings together a lot of those uses. Um, and they have a lot of active um, you know, vehicle maintenance facilities, uh, material storage facilities, and none, none of that would change as part of, of this project. So the current application that we have on file in the planning division is for a tentative subdivision map, which would be brought before both the Planning Commission for a recommendation and then ultimately to the uh, City Council for a review and approval. Um, the project would be brought back to the Parks and Recreation Commission for a more detailed review of the park improvements in a subsequent stage of the larger project. And at this point, we're really just trying to introduce you to the project, um, introduce the major elements, and, and get general feedback. We don't have real detailed park designs um, that you might be used to looking at at this point. Uh, staff and the applicant are, are um, seeking preliminary review and feedback on issues relative to parks and recreation. This is our overall purpose tonight. In terms of how we look at this project from a parks and recreation standpoint, we look to the, to the general plan for guidance. And the general plan identifies all existing parks and open space and identifies proposed parks that are planned uh, through the general plan. Specific to this property, uh, figure 616-1 identifies proposed park overlapping this site, the riverfront site, and the uh, what we call the Pomeroy site. And that's identified as a seven acre active community park. The project as proposed consists of a mixed use development with really four main land uses and several open space and community um, uh, areas. Uh, as I mentioned, the site encompasses almost 40 acres. Uh, three and a half of that is the uh, portion here along the river that was formerly part of this parcel but has been deeded to the State Lands Commission. Minus the State Lands Commission piece, the property is just over 35.7 acres. The maximum build out of the project as shown in this rendering would include 273 residential units, 90,000 square feet of commercial space, a 120 unit uh, hotel, and 
7.65 acres of open space. And then, so that's, that's sort of the overall development program. And then it's broken down into really four categories, uh, including single-family homes. Uh, this, in this configuration here, it shows 134 uh, detached homes. What we call medium-density residential includes this quadrant up here, where you have 35 townhouses and four live-work units. The hotel and office component is in this corner, with this being a, approximately a three-story hotel and a three-story office building. So as I mentioned, the hotel would be about 120 rooms. The uh, office would be uh, up to a maximum of 60,000 uh, square feet. And then that leaves this, uh, what, we, what we call the mixed-use core, where you have a, a, a central green uh, park in the middle as a focal point, and that's surrounded by a, a, at least two three-story buildings that would have 30,000 square feet of commercial space on the ground floor with up to 100 apartments on the second, divided between the second and third floors. So those are the major pieces on the development side. And then in terms of open space, you have this active park here, which is 2.27 acres. You have the little central green, which is about uh, just over a third of an acre. The state lands piece is the three point, almost 3.7. And then the, the land dedicated to trails, which go around the perimeter, comprise just over an acre of land. And then one interesting detail down here, this brown building here, um, what, what we've worked with uh, Riverfront or Basin Street on is providing some space along the, the river that could be dedicated to the city, and then the, the city could work with a, a local nonprofit, um, such as the Petaluma Small Craft Coalition, and pro provide an actual community boathouse where people could have uh, ready access to the river for, for small craft, such as canoes, kayaks, uh, the big um, rowing uh, skulls that actually get uh, very, very large. Um, and they really, they have a facility now on the opposite um, side of the river, a little further down uh, towards the left, um, but they really don't have a, a permanent facility. It's really a collection of storage containers and um, temporary docks, and so this would really be a, a permanent home for them. And so it's kind of a, kind of a neat part of the, the project. Your, um, your staff report on page four has um, about six or seven uh, general plan goals and policies that we thought were relevant from the general plans. So we pulled those out and put them here for your consideration and <coughs> kind of provide a, um, things to think about as you, as you look at a plan like this. And we, we've worked on meeting the, the intent of the general plan of providing um, a balance of, of, of active park and passive park and uh, obviously the riverfront park. and having the potential where this park could expand on the adjacent property or even partially into the city property, if those properties were ever to redevelop in the future, there, there's that potential to get the larger um, active park. But the mix of land uses that we're showing here is really the result of, of working closely uh, with the applicant really since we started here in 2009, uh, off and on, on getting a plan that, um, that made sense for, for everybody. 
And with that, I'll entertain any uh, questions and also introduce uh, Vin Smith uh, from Basin Street and also Bill White, uh, who are right here. And um, Vin has a, a short PowerPoint presentation to share with you, uh, but I, I, can, I can try to answer any questions first. Great. Let's see if there are any commission questions. So do you have anybody have anything you want to ask? Yes. I do. Um, the soccer field, is it going to be lighted? We've, we've or talked artificial, I should say? We've, we've talked about that, and I, um, I don't think a final uh, proposal has been made, um, but we're, the applicant is definitely prepared to discuss that. Um, I know we've talked about it with, with Scott. Oh, Scott's up there. Hi, Scott. Jeff. It, it, and it's an artificial surface, is that right? That, we, it really hasn't been designed to that level, um, but it's the the goal was to at least have enough physical space to have a a, a soccer field that was of regulation size for um, for players of all abilities. And Jeff, just just to make sure I'm clear about what you're interested in in terms of comments and questions from us, we're really looking at the overview at this right. point, the configuration of the mix of different kinds of open space and active right. parks, passive parks. But I, I, think, I think it is perfectly appropriate um, to let us know if there's a need for you know, lit uh, soccer fields at this location, because otherwise you know, we, don't, we don't have the detailed knowledge of the programming and everything that you folks do. Okay, so that, great. Uh, that, uh, you know, we're happy. I'd be happy to receive that type of feedback as well. So input that could be used in in future designing. more detailed design, like okay. yeah, you know, we prefer turf or we prefer grass. You know, uh, we we definitely want to get as much information as we can. Great. I uh, I do have another question. Yes, sir. Now on this soccer field, uh, what are the dimensions? I mean, you know, and the plans there, it could be either an official size field or is it just for you know. Um, smaller fields so you know because there's a lot of different size fields for soccer so yeah. i think what we need is something that's more official size than 18 months ago i knew that i knew the dimensions of that soccer field it's high school and you know it would be great if uh, it was artificial and we could get some lighting there so okay i'm all for that Any other commissioner questions at this point? Um, what is the the primary purpose of putting in of your consideration of an artificial turf versus um, regular? Well, the the intent of of um, this park is that it would be uh, the land would be dedicated by the property owner to the city. It would be improved by the uh, developer and, and offered to the city. So really, in my view, it's it's whatever the consideration is of the city in terms of the ongoing maintenance of the facility, if they want to maintain a, a grass facility or an artificial turf facility. Um, my guess would be that, in our discussions with Scott, is that maintenance is always a, a primary driver on this decision. Um, but from a from a planning standpoint, we're kind of agnostic on that issue. You know, it's really what what makes the best sense for the the folks that are going to be responsible for you know keeping it in good shape year after year after year so ultimately it would fall to the city to maintain this All right. 
any other any other questions at this point? Great. Thank you. I think it would be great to hear from the applicant. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I'm Vin Smith, uh, representing Basin Street Properties. We uh, we all know the name of the project now, so we don't. I don't need to start with this slide. I'm going to go through these slides fairly quickly. If at any point you want me to stop or go back, um, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully be talking to you, so you can just wave at me and I'll go back. And there's there's a few of them in there. This is a, a presentation that we've uh, given now to um, three groups of people. Uh, we met with the uh, Small Craft Coalition. Um, and we've been working with uh, with uh, kind of a smaller group of, of their representation for quite some time now, probably almost three years now. Um, we met with uh, the neighborhood just recently, and we met with um, the Chamber of Commerce. Um, we also have several more meetings uh, scheduled in the future, and, and I can provide, I don't have them with me tonight, but I can provide those to staff if you're interested in seeing more questions. Councilmember Barrett. Um, th thank you. Uh, it, it, I just have to ask, this is such an odd, um, oddly located property to be talking about the neighbors, so can you enlighten us as to who the neighborhood would be? That's a, that's a good question. Um, uh, we asked the same question of staff. We actually uh, asked staff to generate the list for us, and that list was a thousand foot radius. Um, those that showed up to our neighborhood meeting were from McNair Landing on the other side of the oh, river. Oh, okay. Um, and they had concerns about existing landscaping, existing vegetation. Um, but we noticed all the way out into the Baywood area um, beyond the Sheraton, uh, the north side of uh, Lakeville on Baywood, into the apartment complexes and the single family homes there. And um, so it was a pretty far. A broad list. I think did, it's 450. Did you also reach out to the businesses in that area? Um, you know, like yeah, any 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 property owner or occupant yeah. in that area got a got a both property from. owners and occupants. Correct. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. Good question. Um, so the the uh, had Jeff known that I had this, he probably could have used it in describing uh, where this is. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll help him out a little bit. So this is the project that, that Jess, and I promise not to point this at anybody. Um, <laughs> this is the project uh, location. Highway 101 is here. Lakeville is here. There's D Street. Um, obviously, the Petaluma River and the McNair Channel. This is the what we all refer to as the Pomeroy property. Um, and the extent of the city corporation yard and all of its facilities is, is here. Um, Caulfield Lane and its crossing is there. Hopper Street is there. And that's the access that we're proposing to improve to get a second point of access into the site. Just so everybody knows what McNear Landing is, that's this project right here um, that's about a 10 to 15 year old project at this point. Um, 
summary of the project, Jeff already gave it to you, um, so this, is, this isn't anything new. Um, that is obviously what's on the wall, so I'll skip that. Um, this is a uh, bird's eye perspective as if you're hovering over McNear Landing, looking back into the site, so kind of a little high in the air so you can look back into the site. Here's 101. Uh, Lakeville is up here. Um, the corporation yard's here, and so river, river access, boathouse, single-family homes in the foreground, central green, and the mixed-use building surrounding it in the middle of the site, hotel, office building, and then the townhomes beyond. And this is actually taken from um, real life. So we have CAD drawings that generated this, so that's why you can actually get the Sheraton in the distance there. This is a, a more uh, focused view of just the single-family residential neighborhood, um, which is at uh, the south end of the site. Uh, again, here's the Petaluma River. Um, that is sort of the shape that we've used to represent a boathouse, um, and we've had ongoing con uh, conversations with them, as I mentioned. Um, I want to point out that, that you'll see on plans, if you go uh, on that plan on the wall, but also in plans at uh, the planning department, um, the project is designed to ultimately connect with some future bridge across the Petaluma River. Um, that bridge extends from one of the legs of the uh, new roundabout that's at uh, uh, the Quarry Subdivision and Petaluma Boulevard South. Um, so this project accommodates both in elevation and, and uh, in alignment um, the eventual crossing of the river. So there's an anticipation that should that ever occur, the project can, it can connect to the project and, and work. Um, a perspective view of, of homes that could occur on these lots. And again, when I show these images, I want to remind everyone that we're proposing a tentative subdivision map. None of this is actually required to be submitted as part of the tentative map. But, but we and staff, staff felt that uh, we need to communicate what kind of environment, what kind of neighborhood we're, we're trying to build here. Um, the first step is to subdivide the property, and then the second step is to, is to uh, actually look at physical development. These are the kinds of homes that we would anticipate seeing a residential builder build in, the, in a single-family residential area. Again, a focused view of the townhome area, which is in the uh, northeast corner of the site. Um, this is a, a, a street that all the townhomes fa would, would face. Um, and then this is an alley where uh, access would be provided to a two-car garage on the back side of the home. So when you walk down the public street, you see front doors and buildings, not garage doors. Again, there's a perspective of what that could look like uh, in the future. Um, Pulling out a little bit uh, to talk about the mixed-use area, um, I have a couple of slides later that give you a little more detail, and it shows that our thinking is evolving about uh, what to do with these uh, civic spaces and open spaces. So this is one version that, that was on the illustrative plan that we call this plan the illustrative plan. But it shows you the, where the mixed-use buildings could go, um, and again, it shows where the active park is. I'll have a, a graphic a little later that shows uh, a more thinking about what that little space could be. Um, but it kind of shows how it's all integrated there. And again, there's a, a perspective view of, of what those buildings could look like. There's a central green, three-story buildings lining the streets, so, you know, sort of theater square-like uh, imagery, if you, if you will. Um, 
This is a newer graphic that we've drawn, um, and this is actually taken directly from our, our uh, tentative map CAD file and elevated by our architect. So this is as if you're walking from the hotel south the, uh, uh, and crossing the street. The, the central green is here on your left. Um, and again, three-story buildings lining the street with the single-family homes off in the distance. Um, as I said, we, we've kind of evolved our thinking about uh, some of the amenities of the site. We hired a gentleman by the name of Brian Powell, who is a landscape architect out of San Rafael um, and has quite a bit of, of experience in, in uh, civic space design for, for larger master plan communities, but, but also smaller projects. And so we've, we've worked with him to develop a, a finer idea about what could happen in the central park with, uh, with pavers and, and uh, paving materials, low walls, um, lawn areas, lower landscape areas so that you can see through it, um, and also uh, how to uh, uh, better integrate that little triangle piece with possibly a tot lot area with tables and chairs uh, surrounding it. Um, so there's another sort of age group that's being served by by that civic space instead of it just being a, a soccer field. Yeah. Question, if I may. Um, in terms of maintenance of the, the landscape areas, are uh, what's being proposed is just a passive park that the city would be maintaining, uh, or, or are you looking towards the city to be maintaining this this other strip and these other areas and the trails along the river what's what's what are you asking for in terms of well right now we're we're in a, and I and and this may come off as a flip answer but I and I don't intend it to be um, we are proposing a tentative map that provides that space um, what I believe will happen is this whole project will get handled through a, a landscape assessment district um, and that maintenance will be charge to the future residences and property owners of, of that district um, because I don't believe that providing all this space to the city and then saying here it is you you take care of it is in the best interest of the project mm -hmm. or the best interest of, of the city I mean there's seven and a half over seven and a half acres of, of open space there's almost two miles of multi-use trails I mean there's a lot going on that's a dedication mm -hmm. to the city. Very good. Um, the proposal would be to dedicate it to the city. How it gets maintained, I would assume that it's a landscape assessment okay. district. Because we do have, um, um, for example, Southgate Park, which is part of a development, and the park itself is also maintained by the LAD f assessment there. So I'm just kind of curious how that might work in, in the future for this project. Sure. Are you anticipating? Are you anticipating that it would be one assessment district, or would there be different? We haven't gotten that far in the in the thought process yet. There there may be separate ones. The the you know the commercial district may maintain the central green and the residents maintain the soccer field and other aspects. We just haven't gotten that far. Okay. I, I've got a question. Is there any retail stores or anything? Are there any retail stores? Right. Have we worked with any tenants yet? Right. Uh, no, but this ground floor space is all commercial space all commercial um and and we've been careful to label it as commercial space we're reluctant to say that it's all going to be retail uh simply because it's a, a fairly isolated site for that kind of retail um, but it'll all be it'll all be commercial space available for a range of, of commercial uses from a pizza joint a coffee house to shops to insurance agents
So again, a, a, a more focused view on the north end of that central green where we're introducing crosswalks that get uh, uh, pedestrians from the commercial areas and the hotel into the site, low walls, uh, decorative um, um, walls, uh, decomposed granite areas adjacent to the parking. There's parallel parking on both sides of that circle, so getting out of your car on the inside, there's a refuge spot for that. Um, just starting to evolve our thinking about kind of, and, and making a somewhat of a commitment to the quality of the project. Again, the south end of, of the central green, um, uh, a little uh, closer in view of the proposal or the idea for um, a tot lot or, or just extending the age group use of that space. In conversations with uh, uh, several folks in town, there was a, there was a, one of the themes that came out of it is what kind of entry statement are you going to be making? How are you going to make sure that people feel good about coming into the site? You're going by the Salvation Army and the Chevron Station and In-N-Out Burger and the City Corporation Yard before you get there. Um, so our, our proposal is that we would, and, and this is part of our project, so we would, we would actually install these improvements, would be some pavers, uh, landscaping improvements along uh, the south end of Hopper Street, uh, an actual brick wall uh, along the property line to, to shield the, the city's um, uh, property from, from viewpoints of pedestrians and, and motorists. Um, this is the uh, multi-use trail that's adjacent to the smart right-of-way that is a, a two-way access for bicyclists, uh, pedestrians, and that, that extends all the way into the site. Um, so kind of a, uh, putting a higher amenity into that entry statement so that people understand that they're coming into a quality development. And these are just sections that show how we're accomplishing that. Also, the uh, Petaluma Access and Enhancement Plan is very important to this community and to our project. And so we put more thought into how to design a trail system and an a set of improvements for that uh, three and three-quarter acre parcel that um, we've created. So there's, there's ideas about uh, lookouts in various locations, um, access to the river that we're, we're working with the, the boating community on, on trying to get uh, through them, um, providing additional parking, uh, on-street parking. So in the, 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 the list is, is fairly long there, and I can, I can go into detail if you'd like. And then oh, this, is, this isn't necessarily for you, but this is what we've been describing to everyone. We did do a fiscal economic impact study, and it has concluded that there's a, a net increase to the city's general fund of $600,000. Um, and we believe it's consistent with a specific plan, the SMART code. We're within a half mile of the SMART station, so there's access down Hopper for pedestrians and bicyclists um, and motorists, for that matter, but, but there's no parking down there yet. Um, we're proposing a soccer field, Central Green, um, lots of multi-use trails, so it's a, a very high amenity um, proposal at this point. And that concludes my presentation. Great. What are the size of the houses? Um, they range. So the, the apartments will be, you know, below 1,000 square feet um, up to probably about 1,000 square feet. Some of the, the big will probably be a half dozen of the larger ones. The townhouses will be somewhere between 1,200 and 1,800, maybe 2,000 square feet. And the houses will range from um, 1,600, 1,800 to probably 2,300 square feet. So that they're not going to be large homes. Um, 
the layout's different than than McNear Landing, but the the concept's similar. That that that's a smaller home, smaller lot. Um, uh, you know, aggregating the yards into a usable space like a soccer field or a tot lot or a or a riverfront park. Any other questions, Teresa? Yeah. Um, Vincent, maybe maybe it would work better on one of your maps than this one, or, or maybe this is the one. I'm not sure, but could you kind of go over? I, I see the path that's along the waterfront, and that's a class one multi-use path. Yeah. What, what I'll do is. Could you just sort of show like gonna, the, the yeah, flow I'm gonna, here? I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna use this first, and then I'll go to that one. Okay. So. Uh, Starting here, in anywhere, there's a class one path that starts, I'll say, starts here, goes along the smart property line, extends down the easterly property line to the riverfront park, comes through the riverfront park, and extends back up this property line all the way back to this point. So the entire site is surrounded by, when you look at that map, anywhere where you see that kind of yellowish beige color that's a class one uh, here, detached it comes from here all the way down to there and it comes all the way through to here okay. that's that's the color I'm talking about your finger is on a class one it stops there. no it doesn't on, on that on that plan it does councilmember Barrett but on a there's a revised plan that's not as colored up as that we've they've actually yeah. extended it yeah yeah okay. I apologize I, I yeah, but it's not on this map either. <laughs> um, we're also investigating the possibility of extending the trail under uh, the 101 bridge, and we're talking to Caltrans and Smart about that. And there's an opportunity there because um, uh, Caltrans is, is rebuilding this uh, bridge. And they, have, they have a massive capital project going there. And Smart's rebuilding uh, their swing bridge, and so this is the time. This is the time yeah. to do it, and yeah. that would and that would get a great connection all the way all the way back up to the big open space over here. And I know it's not well. I don't know that it's not, but um, when you right now when you're on the the bike path at Steamer Gold Landing or Steamer Landing, which is a little yeah okay, that goes down Hopper Street a bit, and would that connect up with this? So, so the the proposal that we're not going to do anything down here with the city's connection that'll still remain so if you're on a uh, if you're a pedestrian or cyclist and you get on to Hopper Street you can come all the way down Hopper Street and come into the site on either of these two this is a class two bike uh, this will be a striped class two bike lane through the central of the site okay. um, and then the, the ones will come down into here you know, with the idea ultimately that your class one will come all the way back there once the Pomeroy project develops. Has this project already been seen by the Bike and Pedestrian Committee? Yeah, twice. Oh, okay. And so is it going to be seen by them again or? Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Because uh, we, didn't, we didn't get any comments from them in our staff report. It hasn't changed. It hasn't, literally has not changed other than the one connection that Jeff pointed out that, that this does connect through. It hasn't changed since they've they've okay. seen it the last two times. Because uh, you know it would be helpful for us to get the comments from the the other committees that have seen it, um, just so that we know what they've already addressed, so that we're not beating the ho same horse. Um, okay, well, 
I'll, I'll save my other questions in case anyone else has anything. Any other commissioner questions? We also have public comment. I have a public comment oh, card. Well, I have another question. Do you? I have okay. another question. Too. Great. Let's um, do that. You didn't really talk about the parking. Could you talk a little bit about the parking space? Parking for what? Um, this big parking for the office and hotel. Um, what do you What do you want to know about it? So this this is that as you see up there. This is a uh, a surface parking lot, um, as well as all the all the parallel spaces. You know, in this in this general area, will all serve the commercial uses. And so that would serve the um, the active soccer field as well. Absolutely, yeah, okay. yeah. So the, the the concept is, you know, hotels and offices go really well together on sharing. We don't want to build a parking lot bigger than we have to build, um, and and we would like to build a parking lot that that has a space that gets used by one more than one user in a 24-hour period. And in in the case of of this lot and these collection of uses, um, it's strategically located. The the, the the soccer field is there for a reason because this lot can be used for it when it's being used, which is primarily off-peak hours of uh, office being occupied. Um, so there's an opportunity for for those spaces to be shared with with the recreation users, as well as the parallel spaces that are on all these surface streets. Can I piggyback on that question? Okay, um, and our map may be out of date, but I'm not seeing it from that map there either. Ours shows that there's some kind of gravel. Uh, yeah, we've, we, uh, that is a plan that we submitted to the city. The city doesn't like that plan. We're changing it good. back to this right of way so that this full right of way will be constructed. So that's all paved? Correct. Okay, and so you're saying that, that the parking that is shown which is pretty similar on what we have as and what you're showing on the uh, overhead projector um if that doesn't date me the power <laughs> <laughs> the powerpoint um <laughs> that that parking is the same uh that that's sufficient for for the so this, proposed this, uses this shape isn't changing at all between right. the, the two plans okay the only thing that's different between i think the plan that you got and the plan that were the, the tentative map that we're going to uh, uh, be forwarding is that we we were thinking that we could do away with a section of the roadway here and kind of extend the park out a little bit. Uh, the Public Works Department is saying no, we want you to complete that road. Um, so this roadway will get will get completed as it's shown on this plan. Okay, and the class one bike line gets extended Absolutely, all the yeah, way yeah. up. Yeah, the 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 class one that you see on the uh, plans that staff provided you. What it does is it shifts this roadway, this edge of the roadway over a little bit, so it narrows this roadway up, and it provides a, a, better, a better landscape buffer and, a, and a, a better environment for that class one path between Hopper and, and the edge of the soccer field. Did you have another? Okay, okay well, um, staying with the parking for a little bit, um, you know, the, the central park idea that you have shown us it looks it looks very good and you uh, made a very good analogy that it would be like 
thought of something like Theater Square. Mm -hmm. And uh, Theater Square seems to work really nicely. And they have, um, at different times, you have music events there. And you have outdoor dining. And I'm not sure you could have outdoor dining because you have to, you know, bring it across the street. Right. Uh, so that probably wouldn't work. But um, there might be something like a... Um, a coffee kiosk or something uh, built into that, mm -hmm. um, something like the Java Hut, that idea. So I'm just sort of curious about um, how the, you know, like what kind of traffic is anticipated around that and, um, you know, like how does that, when, when the design for that park, I know that this is all speculative, mm -hmm. so that when the design for that park comes forward, you know, those kind of uses like music perhaps a farmer's market, right. those kinds of things, and not a farmer's market like we have at Petaluma uh, at uh, Walnut Park where the, the, they back up onto the park, but actually more of you know, the, the vendors being in this central park and people walking through it. Right. Um, you know, that those kind of uses be, be brought into the design of this. Um, and, but where would be the parking for people to go there? Would they get to park over there in yeah, the area this too? Yeah, this is this is a the come, come one come all parking parking That's lot. That's the come one come all right. parking. Right, and so there's there's parallel parking as as you noted. This is all back to being a street. So there's parallel parking coming down here through here all the way through the central circle all the way down, pretty much pretty much everywhere. That's parallel parking around. Parallel parking, yeah, okay. on both on both sides. Okay, and you know, can you give us a little hint? Uh, how long do you is that proposed the the Central Park? This central the Central Park, yeah. as 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 uh, Jeff mentioned, it's almost seventeen thousand square feet. The uh, acre is forty three thousand. Okay, give me feet. a hint. How long that is? Um, it's about uh, I think it's about two hundred and seventy feet from here oh, to okay. here. Oh, okay. So a football field's three hundred feet. Okay, and so the parking is not much more than five hundred square feet, uh, five hundred feet away. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. From the near end. Right. Okay. So and 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 if you look on just to pick up on your comment, Councilmember Brett, the the if you look on the the map up here, just so I can kind of cross reference, you can see that there was a concept where you know it would kind of get filled with trees and maybe there's a little open space here, maybe there's a little open space here. Um, in as our thinking evolved about what that space can be, we came up with this concept that's up on the overhead projector. Um, that's that really is more of like an urban environment like Theater Square where you still get trees and you still get some shade relief when you're inside that space. But that space is open, you can see through it from, from all edges. It's connected in, in a way that makes sense to, to the activity areas that are gonna serve it. Um, but it's also an open space so that you know somebody could set up a, a, a music event here or here, um, be seen, and attract a group of people that can get there on foot throughout the from throughout the, the neighborhood. There's a uh, I'm, I wasn't clear on exactly what's going on here. This would be similar to the pass through that you see in the theater, theater square from the oh. boulevard to the like plaza. You'd, you'd have one here and one here, <coughs> so these neighbors can get in without having to walk. It's not a big walk, but it kind of is a, a better way to activate that space and really invite people in there, um, especially and then also. There's a connection from the the active play area into the neighborhood here, uh, a pedestrian connection here, so that this neighborhood down here um, has a, a direct ac direct access into the soccer field area. 
Okay, well, I, I, I don't know if it's already been addressed by the Bike and Pedestrian Committee, but um, there probably should be access to the, the soccer fields from the, the bike, the class one bike lane as well that's, that's bordering it. Uh, you know, that would be another really good um, access and, and egress for, for people. And I did have some concern, and I'm not sure if the Bike and Pedestrian Committee has, has uh, dealt with it. The path as it's shown on, um, boy, you know, it's always difficult. <laughs> I call the, this north and this south, okay, that east, that east. west. Okay, the east. On the east side of this project, Correct. Um, you have, you said, a um, alley behind the um, Just here. townhouses. Correct. Okay, is there access that for those people to to access the path from yeah, that, there? That we're, we're not intending to, and, and I'll, I'll take them in order that you gave them. So this, we see, this is a class one. It's a little wider than normal because it also acts as an EVA and from, from here down. But this we see as just blending into the park. So it's a, it's a yeah. pathway that's part of the park. So you can just step off that path at any point and get into sort the park. Sort of like Wiseman Park where you, you yes, can, yes, good example, okay. perfect example. You know, as as it is down here as well, um, and I would see that there's there there will need to be a curb and gutter along this area, but there's not. We don't propose any fencing between Good. the class one and that and that access way. Good. I think that that's really important to keep that very. Um, my my concern about that is just eyes on that area. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you don't want it like yeah. East Washington or Washington uh, Creek. You want it more like um, whatever that development was that's opposite the um, well, there's airport. A, there's a path like this on the backside of uh, Southgate uh, yes, where they yes, look out at yes, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, okay, good. Cross Creek is the same. Okay, so uh, um, that's, that's really good as well. Um, one other thing. Oh, yeah. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what are you proposing entrances and exits at East D Street onto this property or just an entrance? Oh. Just an entrance. So the, the uh, old, old, this is called Old Lakeville. It's that funky one-way street that's mm -hmm. right next to the railroad tracks. That's going to stay. Or auto body or whatever, whatever yeah, used to be. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's going to stay. We're going to widen that um, to, to make it fire truck. The EVA, ladder truck, EVA, EVA accessible, but it, the, the the street's going to stay there, and the accessibility from that from D Street onto that street's going to stay there. What we've added is um, uh, Basin Street purchased these corner parcels. That this is owned by a different uh, individual. What we've added is uh, an access from D Street into that, um, so that if if there's a fire truck or emergency vehicle coming from the downtown to get here. That, um, that that's a quick, easy access way into the site. That'll also obviously act as, an, as a pedestrian and bicyclist access way because it'll be open, right. um, closed by bollards, but open, open for accessibility. So that's what that is. And that actually can accommodate a left turn in from D Street as well as a right turn in from D Street. It can? Yeah, it's designed to do that. But, but okay, well, yeah, that, that's another issue, okay. Um. I, I I will let my questions go because I can't find my other paper. Okay. <laughs> Any other?
Commissioner, questions? I do have a question or maybe a concern. I'm trying to read this map, and uh, you have to bear with us, though. It's a little bit confusing because you're showing a 2011 map here, uh -huh. and then we have a 2012 here, uh -huh. which it shows uh, fountains, and uh, it looks nicer. So I wonder which one is going to be the, the final or the, I, the closest. The, the, the actual answer is neither. What we're proposing is a tentative map. So Got it. I, if I, it, <coughs> this is all we're proposing. Mm -hmm. Black lines on white paper. Mm -hmm. Very unsexy when you're trying to explain <laughs> what a what a project is. So what we have done is, you know, our first step was we created the graphic that's mm -hmm. on the wall, which is an illustrative plan of of the tentative map. Mm -hmm. We took with the understanding that we are creating these civic spaces, we understand we're going to stay the developer, master developer. We're, we'll, the single-family homes will be developed by somebody that specializes in that, as will the townhomes. But we'll be involved in, in the design review and development process throughout the, the project. With that understanding, we have a commitment for quality, and we want to make sure that that there's an idea in everybody's head of what these spaces are mm -hmm. so instead of just showing a box yeah. that says future soccer field we're actually showing you a soccer field and there's a space left over that can be something else that yeah. we're showing you right now so the illustrative plan doesn't have that little park area that's up here on it but the plans that were given to you does because we've kind of evolved our thinking about okay mm -hmm. now we've we've gotten farther into the process we've been working with staff staff that has asked us hey push yourselves a little bit more look at these civic spaces let's let's get people excited about the fact that we're going to get these things we'll work on the the actual final design details might not look anything like what we're showing on either of those plans right now um, which will be a step after the tentative maps approved. Right. I guess in terms and of it will involve this body obviously mm -hmm. I think in terms of space quality, it looks everything fine. My only concern, um, looking at ahead, actually, is that I know quality in all the uh, beautiful trees looks incredible, actually, but I'm more concerned about safety. And uh, because we're talking about having 134 detached homes, plus about 35 townhouses, and I'm not sure how many residential units we're going to have. So I'm considering all these people living in this place and having a a soccer field in a hotel parking in um, just an entire city within Petaluma. My concern is this, and maybe you might, you can help me. Um, I don't know how to read these maps, but uh, all I can see is just kind of like a one entrance thing, and in front of that, it's um, it's going to be in the future a smart train happening. Let's say we have an accident right there. My concern is that is this is the only entrance or exit. Um, what happens to all this area? Is there is any any emergency exit besides the water jumping to the water or so? Uh, I was uh, wondering. Oh, I was hoping to see maybe other entrances on 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 the other side on the. Uh, let's see on the east. I'm a little bit lost, but um, maybe maybe expecting other ways to get access to get out of this this area or to get into this area because well, it looks like a, a nice area right here but uh, all i can see is this area on hopper street and and then the smart train right across that's a that's a good observation so um caulfield will be the primary access hopper will be the primary access into the site hopper is the only access into the site for day-to-day -day ongoing operations we uh worked with the Pomeroy Corporation UBS uh, property and procured a, an emergency vehicle access way that is on their property 
that starts at this point, so access from Hopper Street, extends down and goes along the common property line um, of the, the south end of the city corporation yard and enters the site here. So this, this access way um, will be, will serve as the emergency vehicle access should there be some catastrophic event that occurs at that intersection, there'll be a way in and a way out for, for the neighborhood. Great. Also, all of these streets um, are intended, they're designed so that should this project ever develop that these connections would be made and obviously there'd be a connection through to D Street there. And we've got um, whatever happens in the future for the city of, of building a bridge. Um, we've accommodated the alignment both vertically and, and alignment-wise so that the, that bridge could be built at some time in the future. Thanks for explanation. I just wa I wanted to tag on to Vin's comments and, and just reiterate for the commission that staff um, spent a lot of time on that very issue uh, before we got into hotels and parks and uh, condos and everything. We spent about a year, year and a half, just just on that one question you asked, mm -hmm. and uh, we work very closely with uh, public works staff and the fire marshal um, to try to design the access way that Vin described uh, through the primary property. And then we also went the additional step and had it evaluated by a third party, uh, a fire safety firm that does that uh, as a expertise. Because uh, we had spent so long you know, looking at this thing and trying to figure out different ways to do it. We wanted that third party perspective to say, hey, you know, we think this makes sense. Does this, this really make sense? Does this work? Uh, because we, that's been a big concern with this property uh, going back, um, you know, 10 years with different uh, development ideas on it. Um, and so that was a, was a huge issue, and I don't want you to feel that it wasn't. Um, we didn't bring it up tonight just because, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't think Parks and Rec would be interested in that. But it's a, it's a huge um, issue, and I think we've, we came up with a, a good solution. Thank Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Teresa. Okay. Um, one, one other issue about the um, the three point X acres that faces onto Petaluma River. What's the drop off between um, where the path would be and the road that's on the road, and then the water? Like, how does that grade down? Um, fairly drastic in certain spots, and not so drastic in other spots. So, so um, let's see. What's the best one? Let's use this one. Um, the the elevation change from the I'll just say top of curve for lack of mm -hmm. a better term or the roadway between here and the and where the where the path is shown here. Let's hold on a second. Let's go to the plan that you have. Oh, there it is. So the elevation change here is is fairly nominal. That's a fairly flat area of that site. The elevation change from the trail to the river is. Uh, so from that trail to the river is somewhere between eight and 10 feet. Okay. Um, the elevation change from this uh, roadway section and this um, pathway is somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 14 feet. Um, this is a sloped grassy area um, at about a four to one slope. So there's a place to kind of lay out, check out the water. The, the and that's the area that's the proposed ADA access? 
Um, there's ADA access that would extend down from here, so that that slope is significantly less, obviously, oh, than okay. four to one. All yeah, right. yeah. There's also the ADA access up here and up here. Okay. I do have one question. Okay, so you're. I'm sorry, oh, sorry what, was the, what was the eastern? So this, and then this, this section over here? Yes. Um, that's a, this is a hard one because it, you know, it's different from here to here than it is from here to here. But it's, um, I think it's, it's probably about eight feet here and I think it's about four feet here and then it drops severely down and comes back up and then goes back down. Okay. So there's and like a little low spot there. One last question on this little area is, I see the parking, the um, parallel park, not parallel, but the perpendicular parking, perpendicular parking near the proposed boathouse. Mm -hmm. um, is, will there be parking allowed along? This the is all parallel spaces here and on the other side both of the street sides. as well. Okay, I think that's a as good well thing. as as okay. one side of the street up here. Okay, thank you. Um, what I was thinking, um, is there any flooding issues? No. None at all. No, the floodplain. The floodplain is somewhere about right here. Um, this is all high, so um, it's all well above the the base flood elevation. So uh, you you don't consider the. I mean, you you never know with Mother Nature, right? How do you guys put into consideration that maybe someday or this this development site is significantly safer than ninety percent of the buildings along the river in the downtown. Okay. That if that puts it in perspective, it's it's it to to actually see the river from the site, you have to be pretty close to the edge because it it's pretty high. There's it's it's the elevation is much more so when you're on the site than when you're looking at it from 101 or Pelham Boulevard South. Um, but even with the new city mapping, uh, the new uh, uh, FEMA mapping that's been done of the city, there's uh, for the city, there's this is still well above the base flood elevation, like. Tens of feet above the base level elevation. Thank you. You bet. Are all these uh, two-lane roads? Correct. Even around the Central Park? Uh, well, it's a one-lane road with parking on either side around the Central Park. So, bridge? And they're they're planning a two-lane bridge? Correct. Would the boathouse um, have public access? This is a work we've created a parcel here that's uh, about 6,800 square feet, 6,700 square feet that we're dedicating as part of a dedication to the city. Um, the city would then figure out lease or or not um, an arrangement with a nonprofit agency, most likely the Petaluma Small Craft Coalition, to construct a boathouse there, and that would be intended to be public boat storage. They obviously would use it for their their purposes as well, but it's intended to be a public facility. Just to tag on once again, um, we have had specific uh, discussions and correspondence with the State Lands Commission on that exact issue, um, because a portion of the boathouse is on the Basin Street property and a portion of the boathouse is, is actually on the State Lands Commission property. And before they would grant uh, conceptual approval for that concept, they wanted to know that it would be publicly um, accessible because their their whole mission in life uh, is to pro is to promote public access to the to the waterways, of course. And so, just to confirm, you said that the um, the financing for the construction of that boathouse would be the responsibility of the nonprofit. Correct. Okay. Any other commissioner questions?
Um, can you remind me how what the size of the tot lot is projected to be? Darn it, I don't know. Um, I can find that out for you. I I didn't. I have I have not measured it, but um, I know that it's a it's it's a good size area. Um, it's not a little micro lot. It's um, probably half the size or or more of the active play area of the Southgate Park. And are you imagining a play structure as a part of I that? I would think that that would be what, I mean, what I like, what I have always done in looking at projects, and I was part of the Southgate project, is to try to try to provide uh, recreation facilities for as broad a range of a age group as possible, from somebody that's going to play chess, play basketball, to a, a toddler that's going to climb on a jungle gym. Um, so I would imagine that the the city would want a play structure there um, I think it goes pretty nicely with the soccer field that's right next to it great and are there restroom facilities planned for this area we believe that we could provide the restroom services within the ground floor commercial spaces of the mixed-use buildings versus building a standalone restroom so we haven't proposed to build a standalone restroom not even for the soccer area correct okay. um, I'm also wondering any other commissioner questions before I ask um, what is your thought about public art how are you incorporating public art into the commercial portion um, we've started to look uh, well uh, I'll answer it in a couple different ways there the, one of the plans that you have there show kind of an amenity section along Hopper Street um, some of those trees can't actually go in the ground. They have to go into planters to not not uh, conflict with any of the uh, subterranean um, infrastructure. Um, that would be an opportunity. Those boxes would be an opportunity for for uh, public art, similar to the faces on the fountain in the uh, theater square. There are there are kind of locations throughout the site. Uh, there's one here uh, that's kind of at the 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 terminus of the entrance. Obviously. Um, sections within the central green um, one of the plans darn it uh, that I showed uh, shows it shows an opportunity for if I can get to it kind of a, a, a transitional statement both on the uh, surface of of the pavement but also you know we have sort of called these accent columns um, to kind of say hey you're you're leaving the commercial space you're coming into the residential space kind of announce that you're leaving something behind and you're coming into something new pay attention um, so there's another opportunity for for a public art opportunity that the tot lot itself um, both either on the surface of the pavement or, or or vertically so there's a lot of opportunity throughout um, all of the public art is associated with a commercial development so it's all um, you know how it ties into the financing of those projects mm -hmm. but we certainly would like to see it versus pay for it Say that again. We'd, we'd like to see it, like Southgate, actually create a thing and install it and have it as part of the project versus just pay an in-lieu fee and it happens somewhere in the community someday. Gotcha. And are you anticipating conversation with the Public Art Committee? Uh, when the time comes, yeah. We're, we're, I think, significantly premature of that. Okay. But, but when the time comes, I would think so, yeah. Okay. I would expect so. Okay, great. Israel, I have a question for you. Um, kind of simple. Um, there is a, a space right there for a hotel 
which uh, it will have about 120 you know rooms or so what's the incentive to have a hotel right there in this area when we have a, a beautiful hotel right across the other uh, the place though and if there is um is there is a name already uh, in there isn't a, there isn't a name no okay. but we did uh, uh commission a study by by a, uh, an expert that analyzes the economics of hotels both for the entire community of petaluma and whether or not a new hotel is warranted um that came out very very positively um the format of this hotel would be slightly different than the format of uh the sheraton mm -hmm. uh, basin street operates the sheraton hotel um so we're very comfortable that that a hotel here wouldn't uh directly uh compete with the sheraton hotel um so i guess the answer is economically there's a demand for it um um it's always nice from a from a financing uh perspective for the city to have it there for for general fund purposes um but but from an economics it seems to make sense it also introduces a, a um another user if you will of of uh something that go could go in on the ground floor mixed use area um to draw uh and support that that commercial activity great thanks you bet thanks um, I'm also wondering if if there have been other river partners who have been a part of the conversation about the river access and what other river partners would those be friends of the river we haven't not specifically but we'd be happy to I mean we're an open book we're we're meeting with many 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 people so I mean if they're an active group and they actually have a board and they meet regularly, mm -hmm. we'd be happy to talk to them. Okay, great. Um, let me just see. So all of these parks will be used by both the residents and folks coming in. They're all public parks. For soccer and... And has there been a traffic count or a traffic study? Yes. For yes. And what is what's that saying about the numbers of cars and which which you anticipate? Well, the, the the as you know, all this land is is within the central Petaluma specific plan area, um, which was sort of that So there was a traffic analysis that was done and an EIR that was done with that. It was kind of reconfirmed when the general plan, the latest general plan, was adopted. So they restudied it, reconfirmed it. Um, this project is is uh, significantly below the projected traffic counts that were anticipated as part of the central pedal specific plan. So we've 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 done a um, the mix of uses is is sort of the sweet spot, if you will, to minimize traffic impacts both to the intersection at Caulfield and Lakeville, um, but also just traffic in general. Um, so the study concludes that we're within the tolerances that were established by the general plan. There's no new impacts that are generated by the project as, as a result of, of its construction. Okay, great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other commissioner questions? May we hear from Kevin? Kevin McConnell, McDonald is here from the Petaluma Youth Soccer. Oh, thank you. We're going to with Kevin we're going to open public comment well uh, thank you very much for listening to me give me a chance to speak um, and you know me from uh, Petaluma Friends of Recreation the Measure X campaign and PYSL youth soccer for a long time 
Um, we've had a chance to have off conversation, not really much more than that, but we've, uh, you know, with the development, have said that we really, really need a full-size ball field. Um, until this last year, there hasn't been a playable field on the west side of town. And now with the junior high, there is one. And this is pretty close to west side. I mean, you know, right midtown, if you will. So it really helps the pressure of traffic left and right across town, everybody driving to the far, far side of town. That uh, an additional field would be very helpful. But by one thing of background, uh, this past weekend, we've had five recreation teams, 10, 12, 13-year-olds, the younger group, off at tournament, recreation teams. I mean, most people think of year-round uh, sports as competitive programs, you know, the really crazy ones that end up playing at the high schools and college, right? Well, this is not. This is recreation. They're playing right now, the youngers. Three of those teams went through to the next weekend of tournament, and they all say, where do we practice? Well, there's only one artificial turf town, uh, field in town that you can go out after school and still have daylight in wintertime. Now, people do rent St. Vincent's. It's great to have a second one, but without lights, St. Vincent's is pretty useless on weeknights in winter when the turf is so good, you know, because every other field, grass field, impossible to maintain in the wintertime. And so it's great to have St. Vincent's as a fallback, but it isn't really a practice facility. Right now, those younger teams playing in tournament, proceeding, having a great time, and all squeezed onto one too small, too used field. We have older kids in recreation program. We have five teams proceeding from the many, five who decided to stay together through the wintertime, and they play their tournament at the end of February. If they proceed, they're into March. This is recreation kids. You want kids engaged in programs in our community, and one of the things that will keep them engaged in community is having fun playing ball. Well, that means the right coaches, but it also means the right fields. And so if they have a space to play where they enjoy gumming, they get in less other mischiefs all around. It's important to the community that we serve our kids right. Um, and so in regards to this, I wholly support having a field. I mean, it's an awesome thing to be considering adding a, a, a ball field. And I know we call it soccer, and I know we're hoping it's for the youth, but it's really for the whole community. There's so many different users that will all find it. But um, it, I'd like to, you, you to advocate. <laughs> My recommendation, I, I hope, that you'll advocate for an artificial turf field. Um, it will be used in winter. The city doesn't have maintenance for grass fields. It has less and less all the time. If you build it and it's grass, it's a liability, not an asset. And if you build it, uh, if you build it in grass and there's too many players that compact it, they wear it quicker. Uh, um, and and if you uh, um, if you build it in grass, it really doesn't s serve the winter community. It still is in summer. In summer, you know, a lot of things look green in summertime in early summer and die off, but it's important that we have this one in artificial. Uh, piggyback, piggybacking on that and staying with that same thing of light, if you're going to have the field for winter, really, really like to have light on that. I realize that's a tougher uh, consideration. It should be no-brainer that it's artificial turf. The continuing maintenance cost alone should drive the city into demand that they don't want a continuing liability, that they want an asset. Light, light would be awesome, but I understand that's a tougher tougher discussion. Um, and this community uh, is it, fairly dense and it will bring children into the community. We're already short. It's important that we have the field because of the, in the added uh, adult play and youth play that uh, the community, the development will bring to this. So um, 
just in summary, uh, artificial is an absolute essential issue, and, and I hope that that's part of your recommendations and feedback to the developer. Lit, lit would be awesome. Awesome. Uh, it would would double the amount of usable practice fields for all these teams through the winter time. And um, uh, just as a minor note, a low fence on perimeter between separating ball fields and and uh, bikers. Uh, there's nothing worse than to see a hard-driven ball take a biker off at the axles. So some separation, you know, like a short little, little fence around perimeters will be important. Um, and uh, the uh, restroom idea was brilliant. Uh, anywhere, even if you have to cross the street, I'm sure the uh, pedestrian committee will review how the pathway to a publicly uh, a public restroom in, a, in the main structure I'm sure that'll all work fine as long as it has good access. And, uh, and then lastly, um, the field we envisioned or we wished for uh, is full size. Uh, and when you use a broad term like full size or high school, it's, it's not a contractual size. I would love to hear a dimension exact. And I know our, all our intentions are in the right place, but it should, you know, is it good fences, good neighbors, good documents, good contracts, you know, nice agreements later. So uh, we wholeheartedly <laughs> endorse, love having this uh, project coming forward. Great, thank you, Kevin. May I just ask you the qu the question about the restrooms? And I'm I'm thinking about this also from the vantage point of the tot lots because I've heard a lot of moms talk about the importance of having uh, restrooms close by, you know, particularly for um, the younger kids and. Um, so are, is it seeming to you like the, the public restrooms that'll be in the center park are close enough and I, I'm not even sure how many there will be in the commercial area. Well, well um, we're coming from a pretty poor place and I don't want to prejudice better. Um, the nearest restrooms at Lucchese, uh fixed structure and not porta potty and the porta potties uh, uh, are scary, um, but the uh, fixed structures over at the senior center, and um, so that kind of dimension looks to me further than the building to field distance here. Okay. Um, but it's absolutely essential. I mean, uh, it, that comes up at Weissman all the time, and you know, the, there's community group trying to pull something together for Weissman, but um, all of the older recreation teams and all of the competitive programs play out-of-town teams. Out-of-town teams come and say, so where's the restroom? Right. Uh, you know, it would be really nice to have Petaluma be the town that gets things right and not that can't. And uh, and having any restroom is just huge, uh, so long as it has good access. Maybe distance isn't key, but certainly, you know, good access. Right. And is it, thank you, Kevin, any other public comment? Thanks for your input. Uh, seeing none, we'll close public comment. And let me come back to the commission. Scott, did you I, have anything yeah, you want yeah, to Yeah, I, th I think I'd like to just tag on to what, what Kevin mentioned um, briefly. Uh, but I also want to let you know that Don Phoenix is here. Don's our recreation supervisor who, who manages use of, of sites. If you have questions about, about capacity or demand on sites, uh, that's why Don is here. So, so don't hesitate to to call on him to respond to those questions. But I, I did just want to suggest that that really the, our greatest unmet need is that of, of playing spaces. And, the, and that's only compounded then in the off season or in the winter when, when the fields are saturated and, um, 
and and there there's really no ability to maintain them. I would think there could be a, a pretty significant increase in off-season occupancy at the hotel if that could be a playable a year-round playable site. So there are some advantages I think to assuring that that that, that be the case. Um, unless that's well, I think the other important note is we've seen the park maintenance staff. Uh, reduced by more than 50% over the last couple of years. Uh, there was a uh, three years ago we were on a turf maintenance campaign. Uh, while we can st still afford the materials, we don't have the staff to to, to conduct the turf maintenance. So um, we don't have an ability to maintain that site, and it won't be usable in the off season unless it's a sand-based sort of a sort of a turf site, uh, which just compounds the pressure to maintain it. So I think I think we really need to press for artificial surface. I sort of second what. Uh, what Kevin suggested there. But I also wanted to make you aware that Don is here to respond to questions relative to demand on space, if, if, if you have such. Great. Don, is there anything that you wanted to add? Kevin was speaking to. Um, it was over 14 years ago that this commission, as well as the Petaluma City Council, had the foresight to approve uh, a synthetic field, a lighted synthetic, synthetic full-size soccer field at Lucchese Park. At the time, there was very few synthetic fields in Northern California. Since then, in the last 14 plus years, there's dozens. I think that speaks to just the viability of the programs. But also, you see that in professional sports. You see, you watch your Pittsburgh Steelers, the Seattle Seahawks, whoever, and they're running on field turf. And the other thing is, this field turf at Lucchese, the I'm not sure if you know how it's manufactured, but the water permeates the backing of the turf and it's collected in the, in the perimeter and it's taken to Lynch Creek. That would certainly be uh, appropriate here with the river right here. So it's not, it's not that uh, far away for the, the water to uh, leave the site. Um, I schedule that field at Lucchese and you'll see many teams in the winter playing out there. I looked at my schedule in 2012. I formally scheduled the field uh, 360 out of 365 days. And that's just not two teams playing soccer. That's sometimes six teams practicing or whatever. And speaking to the lights, lights would re really be key because, as Kevin mentioned and, and Scott, the fact that when, when you have a field like that and it's essential in the winter because obviously the natural turf fields, we want to keep people off of them. Well, when it's dark at 5 o'clock, you lose use of the field. Hence, St. Vincent's is not as useful as it could be if there were lights. And lights are usually a concern because of the... Uh, the overflow of the lights, but the fact is they have um, uh, much improved shields now on lights where if you go out to say Prince Park when the lights are on, the lights look bright from a distance, but when you get there the street adjacent to Prince Park, it's dark. Mm -hmm. And even the neighbors right, right there say these little low intensity street lights cause more problems in their homes with light than the field lights from, from Prince Park. So I think that's, that's important. So um, also, the initial cost of a, a synthetic field is pretty high and people get shocked sometimes, but it's offset, I think, by water savings as well as maintenance savings over the year, and especially the fact that they're safer. You're not going to have the trench, trenches where they were, or the soft spots where they were doing repairs on the field or whatever. So that's, that's a key component to a synthetic field. So a synthetic field, a full size, as Kevin mentioned, it's, it's, it's important. That's, you need about two acres for that, and I see that you have that here. And I think the lights would be essential because at some point, you're going to wish you had lights or some, you know, the, the youth, especially the youth soccer as well as lacrosse, which is ever growing. And we've got more, we've probably got more kids now playing soccer and lacrosse certainly than ever before. So anything else? 
you might want to ask me or I can expand on. Um, I have a question. You, you want to address the restroom issue? Yeah, I hear about it all the time. And if a restroom were nearby and it was adjacent to a structure, that would be the way to go. Porta potties, as I think Kevin used the word scary, that's true. They get tipped over, they get, they get burned, they get, they're just, they get whatever. They're gross. They can be gross. But the fact is, if you have a, a structure right there, a permanent structure uh, adjacent to the field or very close without crossing the street, that would be without a doubt preferred. Because you say at playgrounds, it's essential, but what you get is at Wiseman, you get people using the uh, using nature instead of uh -huh. a, a restroom. And I just in terms of the cross age use of that area, which is fabulous, it just seems like a consideration oh, that absolutely would want to. Yeah, because if you don't have restrooms, you're going to wish you did, Jason. So this would be really good for the commercial part of that and the retailers, because you would have people playing on this park all year round, right? Where they could Absolutely. be buying coffee or whatever. Is that correct? Without question. And then when we have our tournaments, you know, like the kicking chicken tournament, you know, the hotel and you know so it'd be a plus. There, there's no downside to synthetic turf. Thank you. Sure. Anything else? Erin. So I just want to get clear on the finances. I'm not sure who this would be directed to, but it strikes me that there wouldn't be a huge amount of bulking at the cost of a synthetic turf since the developer is going to be installing this and then deeding it to the city. Correct? Not to me. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and then the the other question would be, um, Scott, you mentioned the, the cost of the maintenance, but um, Vin also mentioned that ideally this would be a landscape assessment district. So that's kind of, the, well, I, I, either way, you've you've got an increased cost to to maintain, and if you if you build it properly, then you've got an increased cost to irrigate. So, whether it's you know whether you rely on the city to do that or a LAD, you're going to have an extraordinarily expensive small site to maintain. It, it just is, and and then and then you have to contract the services, and you lose some control uh, relative to uh, potentially relative to to mowing heights. Uh, striping. I, I, I suspect PYSL is probably striping just about as many uh, as many lineal feet of field as they can handle right now. So, there there a variety a, a LAD arrangement on a on an athletic site would be a difficult arrangement. I think. Nevertheless, it would be an expensive one. Thank you so much, Don. Any additional commissioner comment, Teresa? Well, I would just like to say, uh, in summary, I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody has something that they just want to make sure that it got heard. But what I heard come out of this was that um, there was general approval for the kinds and placements of the open space, uh, but that there was definite interest in artificial all-weather surface. Um, and I think it was Kevin, maybe it was Donna, I can't remember, maybe it was Scott, who said, you know the effect. Uh, it was Scott who said the effect of having an artificial all-weather turf, and especially with uh, lighting for night playing, will have such a, a positive effect on the hotel occupancy. And I don't know what kind of hotel you're looking for. You know, you probably already have t are talking to someone, but certainly keeping in mind the tournament use. You know, something like an embassy suites or something that does have that kind of um, use usability for families is would be a, um, I think a win-win. 
Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know how it pencils out in terms of the other aspects. Uh, I don't even know if they do something as small as 120 rooms. But um, I think the parking as you have proposed it for that area seems to, to work. I like the idea that the parking near the uh, parks down by the uh, water is um, seems sufficient. I think you want to maximize the parking there because as much as we want non-vehicle connectivity, there always is going to be people who have to drive or will drive. Um, restrooms uh, near the uh, the soccer fields, which I uh, which I think shouldn't be called soccer fields. I think they should be called playing fields because there are multi-purpose field uses for that kind of. Uh, uh, amenity and I do believe that uh, Kevin is right that the actual dimensions of that should be spelled out so that we really are getting exactly what has the most potential use. Um, so I, I think those are, are things that I heard here regarding the parks um, and the open space. I think the idea uh, that the chair brought up of reaching out to our park department and our park commission partner, the Friends of the Petaluma River, uh, probably is a really good idea. They're, they're located right on the McNear Peninsula. They've done a lot of outreach and a community involvement. They do the, um, or that is the site of the Riverfront Revival, which brings five to 8,000 people there um, every year for a one-day event. And, you know, the synergy of that should not be missed, you know, for in terms of the park outreach. Um, the connectivity, the non-vehicular connectivity, I think looks really good here, and I'm, I'm glad to see it connecting up with the steamer um, landing area and park, and uh, the station area park too, our station area uh, as well. And um, the, uh, the public art, I'm glad you brought that up. I think most of us forgot about that. And um, you know, the Central Park, I really think it's necessary to think of that in terms of how it goes forward in design for the use of, you know, that community that's going to be there because this really is going to be a little community and there's going to probably be a lot of people who will walk over there from the hotel or from, you know, the single family homes or whatever for things on a nice evening and um, as well as people who will come. I mean, certainly you're going to uh, find I mean, there's going to be parking disaster, uh, or I mean, the traffic issue. That's another thing. That's not a parking park department thing, but um, that's a whole other issue. But this, if it's done well, will just be a magnet, I think. And um, I don't know if you guys are proposing or if it's not even legal. I don't know what the water issue is about places for people with boats to put their boats, um, other than on their vehicles. You know, you know, I know small craft people will put their kayak up on their vehicle, but is there going to be a pier or anything out there? I don't know if that's a possibility, but I know it's a desire. Yeah, a big part of the um, small craft um, coalition structure plan would include uh, docks uh, oh, actually in the, in the river where people could, could access it from the, from the water side as well. Right, and I also think the idea of striking while the iron is hot with SMART and Caltrans regarding extending that, that path over to um, the whole Sheraton area and continuing down Lakeville would be great. So those are, those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you so much for that summary, Councilwoman Barrett. Is there anybody's comment that wasn't reflected in that summary? Erin. 
So um, I would just like to thank um, staff and the developers for that really comprehensive presentation. Um, and I, I grew up in Petaluma. I played lacrosse for four years, and so I really um, appreciate the the turf area being put in the plan, and um, also all this expertise right here in this room about the benefits of the artificial. Um, I personally didn't enjoy playing on it as a, as a high school student, but I um, see now the, all the complexities that you all are balancing here, and, and I think that's a, a decision that I would be willing to support um, on this commission. Um, just one other note in, in that uh, it, it is about the design and that uh, I'm not advocating for traditional turf here at this site, but I just w would like to open our um, views to the fact that traditional turf does not necessarily have to be a, a maintenance issue. I was fortunate to travel in Brazil and they use sheep to graze grass in Brazil. So there are other design avenues that you can go to, to, to um, not only reduce the maintenance load on city staff, but also make a model site, which um, being born and raised in Petaluma, I love to look at Petaluma as a model city for the, the nation. Um, and so these other solutions are possible as well. Um, <clears throat> One other point that I'd just like to mention from the parks and recreation perspective, um, seeing as this site borders the river so closely, and like uh, Councilmember Barrett um, mentioned, the river is increasingly such a core part of our recreation in this city. Um, I just want to mention that it's it's of the utmost importance to do appropriate stormwater management on this site, and I was really appreciative of Don mentioning um, the the ways in which the synthetic turf uh, accommodates stormwater, rainwater, and then um, allows it to flow into the river in, in Lynch Creek, as you mentioned. Um, I would just say that uh, the you know issues with stormwater are very significant, and the fact that you have a lot of paving surfa paved surfaces just in close proximity to the river, um, and you have a park, so. Um, negotiating all those and making sure that you know there's not oil residues flowing off into the river. Um, there's a lot of different uh, design. Um, you're familiar with all the the design mechanisms, but um, making sure that that passive park there um, not only incorporates um, ways to mitigate some of those oil contaminants that could potentially reach the river. Um, and one last note on that in terms of another trend that we're seeing in our city, and we have precedents like Southgate, uh, Petaluma City Hall, and Kavanaugh Center, um, incorporating edibles as much as possible into the landscape design. I know that that draws people. It um, excites people in this community, and it, and it, it really um, enhances the, the attractive features of the interaction of the parks. Um, and in terms of that passive area, there's a lot of native edibles, so service berry is a native blueberry. There's just such a palette of, of plants that you can choose from, so I'd like to put in a plug for that as well. That's it. Thank you, Erin. Israel. Please. A comment about the, uh, the map. Um, I was wondering if someone can tell me uh, what's the difference um, within the, uh, the the soccer field and uh, the first six houses right there. And because um, um, I really like the the, uh, 
the design of of the whole um, uh, plan actually. But uh, my concern is this, though, since we're going to, um, what's attractive to me is all the open space, the area, the park, and the soccer field. Looks incredible. But there are six houses right there, right next to the park. So my concern is that I just don't want six unhappy um, owners of these houses complaining about the lies or the noise of this place. And then this uh, park is going to be like uh, no use after 5 or 6 p.m. That that will be my only concern. I'm not sure. I know it's important to add as much um, uh, uh, residential units right there, but uh, there is only six right there. They are very, very close to the, to the soccer field. So I'm just saying that, that there might be an issue, and then the soccer field and the happy faces of the kids, they're not playing there because there were six people that they bought a house there, and they don't want um, they don't want four hours of lighting right there. Um, so I'm just saying that. I don't know if that might be a, um, a future question of that, or, or, or it could be a concern or a problem in the future, though. I mean, the map doesn't show the distance between, but um, I know that if it's got the, the soccer field is going to be lighter, um, those are bright, bright lights for someone living right next to it, besides the noise. Thank you, Israel. Jeff, did you want to comment on that? We've also spent a lot of time talking about that issue. Uh, this project has a lot of uh, edges and, and interfaces, and we've done our best to balance out. Um, there's some things you want to be close to, like the river. There's other things you don't want to be close to, like the former sewer treatment plant, uh, the freeway, the railroad tracks. Um, and on the, the houses adjacent to the park, I finally came out to the, my personal conclusion was that the everything being equal, those might be some of the more desirable homes that people uh, would choose because of you living next to the park and the sense of open space there. And so ideally the folks that self-select to purchase those homes will value that and, and will view it as an amenity rather than a, than a, um, a, a distraction or a, a, a degradation of their, their quality of life. Um, having said that, we, there, once we get further into the planning <laughs> process, we will be able to place some conditions of approval, working with the Parks Commission on you know, programming that park, lights, no lights, to kind of find that happy middle ground that, that makes that space really work. I hope that, that helps. Thank you, Jeff. Any other commission comment? I, I wanted to, again, thank the staff for being here and for Vince, for you guys being here as well. And I also wanted to thank the commissioners for um, your very thoughtful questions and comments. Um, for a first go-round, I think that you you did a wonderful job listening and, and thinking about the recreational uses that are potentially a part of this project. Um, and Commissioner Barrett, thank you very much for providing a summary that was so cogent. And my understanding is that this will next, we'll see this next when it has gone through other reviews with the Planning Commission and great, good. Thank you very much. The next item on our agenda is program and partnership reports.
<coughs> while we're maybe transitioning here, because um, I think I think uh, Ron and Ron has some PowerPoint slides as well. Uh, I I think I've mentioned maybe at the last couple of meetings that the, the department has really been um, has really benefited from Ron's role in in the building maintenance uh, function for the city, uh, and so I asked him to put together some some more visual illustrations of how we've benefited from that from that function because we've really made some progress I think in the last uh, couple of months in particular with respect to maintenance of um, of a variety of sites. So that's that's the intention of the item. I wonder if it would make sense to take a, a break for... Probably would make sense to take a couple May minutes. we do that while we're in transition? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I better take advantage of the break here. That's right. I had to, I brought her by hand, didn't I? I, you gave it to me when I came over here. That's right. That's right. 
And that's why it has a funky note on it. Thank you, and we will resume with program and partnership reports. Well, good evening. Um, I'm going to be giving you just a brief overview of some of the um, park and rec facility improvements that have been made over the last couple of months. Um, I'm just hitting enter here, right? Okay. Um, one of the first ones I wanted to uh, show is this is a recent project that the park staff took upon itself. Um, uh, this is the uh, horseshoe pits at McNear Park, and uh, all of the backboards uh, were pretty much beat up, the wood was splintering, and so um, we took all the backboards down, put in new lumber, and um, a new coat of paint. Um, and I hear that there's possibly a tournament coming up in the springtime um, with the Sonoma Wine Country Senior Games program. So they may be scheduling their tournament sometime in the springtime. Um, and that was all, all done by uh, park staff. Just finished about a week ago. Um, this December at the Cavanaugh pool, uh, the, the, the old plaster at the bottom of the pool was really deteriorating and, and chipping and coming apart and dissolving. So we um, uh, put out some bids for quotes uh, for quotes for the, jo the job and had it completely sandblasted and replastered um, and as well some new tiles uh, that show the depth and the no diving uh, placards that were um, uh, required by the county um, so that was just done recently and importantly I'll point out the picture in the upper left which would be our good friends uh, friends of Kavanaugh pool who who participate in the winter program there and and uh, they were just enormously helpful in 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 uh, supporting the project and supporting a closure for a month and um, and assuring that they sold registration for when we reopened and the programs right back into into full speed so and many of them are doing water aerobics so they're probably really grateful for the the bottom yeah very good it's and it's it's a it's a warm it's a warm water pool and um, the weather uh, was uh, helpful. It didn't rain during the, the time of, uh, of the project, so it all went very well, and um, it's a and it turned out to be a really good project. Um, this is the uh, this is the swim center 
uh, down on the left is the, um, the equipment room where all the pumps and the filters and the boilers are. Um, uh, we are in the process of changing or abandoning the old water heater or the boiler that serviced the swim center showers and are installing uh, in the swim center itself a new uh, hot water tank for the showers in that building. So it's going to be a much more efficient system um, uh, and also change out some of the, the, the fixtures themselves on the shower stalls. Um, as the Regency project was going on around the building, it was the perfect time to rethink the water service into the swim center. Um, it had originally just one meter, one service going to the pool and the landscaping and the building. So we had those separated out and we'll be saving quite a bit of, of uh, funds in terms of sewer charges for the water that's servicing the pool. Um, so it would be a much more efficient system and it was just the perfect time. We got in there, water department gave a hand and trenched and ran the pipes for us. So um, uh, that water heater system should be in in about a week. Let's see, what else am I forgetting anything on that? Um, there is a um, a project that to replace the large boiler that heats the pool water itself also in that room. Um, I believe it's a, a, a grant program through PG&E. Yes, it's a PG&E uh, rebate program. Uh, we've uh, qualified for the program. We'll be doing the, the boiler replacement. Uh, replacing the circulation pumps with variable speed uh, drives, which will have huge energy savings, uh, and uh, we pay the the, uh, the PG&E loan with uh, with really proceeds from our utility savings. Um, and at the same time, uh, condition of approval for the project that's next door was a, a solar array uh, that will be part of that that bit larger boiler circ pump uh, project, which is being bid right now. Uh, and will assist in in heating the pool, so we should see significant energy savings, uh, and, and not only that, just have a more efficient system, a more reliable system. And one of the things Ron hasn't mentioned, just with respect to the shower uh, changes, that we'll now uh, we'll have hot water at the head of the shower, which really has pro probably the biggest improvement of that in, in that whole thing. So. Uh, the bid for that boiler um, system is opening on January 24th, and if um, there's a there's a long there may be a long time to get the equipment delivered, eight to 12 weeks may it may happen that way, um, but we're the, the they're hoping to get it done in March uh, of this year. So that's the um, schedule for that. Are you anticipating that that will impact the swimmers' schedules? For the the opening of the pool. Yeah. W once we um, and, and we're being supported by the Public Works CIP team. Uh, once they open open bids, um, uh, and once we understand what our our approval um, uh, timing is in terms of getting that back to the to the council, and and then once a, so then a contractor is on board, we'll have a sense for delivery time and project timeline. And one of the things that we have said is we won't interrupt the start of the pool season. So if we if, if the timeline says that the opening of the season is put at risk, then we'll wait and we'll do it in the fall rather than in the in the spring. But we're really hoping to do it in the spring ahead of the ahead of the season. But again, if that puts the season at risk, because we're you know we already run short enough, we, we would rather wait until the fall and do the do the project. Um, another project we've been working on, uh, this is the uh, uh, community center roof. Uh, last June we started uh, 
put in a new cover over the old roof. Uh, we did several sections in June and another uh, handful of sections just this fall. We have several more to go. Um, that roof has been leaking for many years, as you all know. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a single ply kind of plastic material that they put on called TPO and uh, sealing the top of that. So that'll be a great improvement for that building. Um, there's been some water, quite a bit of water damage inside the building. As you know, the tiles and walls and, and carpeting have um, sustained damage. So hopefully we get the rest of that roof done this year and then we can move on to the interior, start working on little projects within the, to repair some of that water damage inside the building. And not too long ago, we uh, replaced the two double doors inside the gym at the Kavanaugh Center. Um, one set was literally falling off the hinges at one point. And, uh, uh, it just wasn't safe uh, at, at it anymore. So uh, both of those sets were done and uh, it's, it's created a, a more secure gym and, and a safer entrance and exit for uh, emergencies as well. And lastly, uh, the David Yearsley Heritage Center. Um, it was a project uh, started um, several weeks ago, a couple months ago actually. Um, replacing the uh, south-facing wall. Um, it was, you see up in the top picture what it looked like previously, and basically it was just rotted boards and termite damage, and you could put your hand right through the wall, basically. Um, so the um, uh, Friends of Petaluma River um, put the project together um, through some funding they received, and a company called uh, Natal Modica, local contractor, um, they provided some um, the labor at, at discount to to the project. They also um, donate a week's worth of labor every year towards the River uh, Town Revival um, event. So they've done a fantastic job. There's just a little bit left to do. The, the big large door needs to be replaced, and I think I think the windows are done past this point so not much left to do the door and some painting and it really looks great you, you should take a walk out there it's a fantastic job um, what will come up next I think they'll be working on they have the materials uh, we're going to be installing lights the power panel and some overhead lights uh, which will be run on a generator for now until service gets out to that uh, center um, and there's um, uh, some folks that are involved with the center that are going to be doing a lot of um, uh, free or discounted labor on, the, on that project as well. So that'll be a great uh, improvement for the activities they have in the evening and kind of expand the programs there. And that's what I have for you tonight. Thank you. Is there any plan when there are improvements, for instance, in the Yearsley Center, um, to have those also linked to solar? Part of the, um, the plans we had when we went for that grant, that large grant for the state, we, we did have a solar uh, component, which would have been on, not on the roof itself of the barn, but on a, on a kind of a shade structure over the picnic area, not too far from the barn. Um, you can't really put, put any solar panels on that building itself. So, um, 
and another thing we were thinking about was a windmill out, out, out in the area. But for now, it's going to be traditional electricity until maybe there's some kind of design or technology that comes up that can be used out there. But that would be ideal for sure. Yeah, because it really is in full sun yeah. <laughs> almost all the time. Great. Thank you so much. That's a lot. Any questions or comments for C Commissioner? Questions or comments for Ron? Seeing none, let's move into old business, and that's the Center Park trees update. And Ron has been working with a small committee that includes uh, representation from the tree committee, as well as the uh, public art committee and planning and Parks and Rec Commission. And um, I just wanted to let you know that we are um, at, a st at a stage where we're going to have kind of a, a coming together next week, next Wednesday, 4.30, at the work center down on uh, Kentucky Street, 4th Street, transition to Kentucky Street, um, to kind of gather information about where we are, what the current thinking is, and um, there has been a conversation with the Rotary. The funding for their piece of that is in place. It has been secured. And it's it's a matter of uh, looking together at where the current status is of the trees, as well as some additional ideas. So our plan is to have a meeting from 4.30 to 5 with the folks who have been most integrally involved. And then there are two representatives from the Public Art Committee who have asked if they could join us at 5 for some other extended conversation and some suggestions. So any questions or comments about where we are with the Center Park project? Okay, Commissioner reports. And why don't we start to my left, please, with Commissioner Klott. Um, my parks all look good. And, uh, the youth committee um, is has some projects coming. They're going to do a cultural event on March 30th, and they're trying to do food and uh, music. And uh, they don't have a location yet, but that's their their plan for March 30th. Great. Thanks. Thank you, yeah. Commissioner Axelrod. Be perfectly honest. I have. It's been so cold, and I have not been out to parks recently. But I'll make a point to go and check in on all my parks this coming month. Um, and then, in terms of the um, bike and pedestrian advisory committee, we had a relatively short meeting last time, um, but we are uh, pushing back the pedestrian and bike counts that we'll be doing, and um, just. Or they want to get a more accurate count when people are out and, and about and using using the um, and I think that's about it. Great, thank you, um, Commissioner Barrett. Thank you. Uh, the the tree advisory committee was canceled today uh, due to a lack of quorum. Um, people have been felled by illness, and um, we have at least one vacancy on that. So, um, you know, anybody wants to uh, apply for that. We would we we can use you, um, and my my parks are also looking good. But they're also looking pretty vacant, 
you know, I think I think this cold weather really is is not having a lot of use on these. But I hadn't noticed any damage as a result of that, so that's a good thing. Thank you. Thank you. Not much to report. Um, yeah, like Teresa said, they are baking pretty much though. So um, hope to have something maybe next month. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Martin. Uh, my parks look pretty good and. Um, extremely helpful or thankful I should say for the work they're doing on Lakehorn removing the old uh, plants there that just look really bad and I've seen the crew working on them today and everything seems to be pretty good thank you great thank you um, my parks look pretty wonderful also I was very sad to hear about the uh, devastating theft of the plaque at Walnut, Par Walnut Park and um, as everyone probably knows that was stolen probably for its its value in metal um, but it was a pretty thorough um, devastation to that to that plaque in Petaluma there's almost always really good news attached to those kinds of events and I've been in conversation with Joe Noriel um, of the Petaluma Historic Museum, and they were very integral to the establishment of that of that plaque and that honoring of the 12 Petalumans who died in the Vietnam War. And fundraising is happening at a very rapid pace, and they've already raised uh, $2,300. They have $2,300 in hand with $5,000 additionally promised. And um, what we have proposed, what I have chatted with Joe and also with the Public Art Committee about the and and with Scott about the potential for the Public Art Committee and the Parks and Rec Commission having a supportive role in that process. What Joe is saying is that they're hoping to to actually go after a redesign of the of the memorial, and um, so we we have offered to be supportive and helpful to them in any way that we can. Um, the rest of that park looks fabulous and it's just this sort of missing missing piece at this point. Um, in addition, I wanted to highlight, um, and this is in Maggie's absence because Maggie is our liaison to the, the Historic Museum, they have a really interesting ex exhibit coming up um, and that will be opening soon on space and the our exploration in space and as a part of that they have a fabulous photographer who's been photographing a lot of what's happening and and they also have planned on the 26th of January a visit by Jose Hernandez and he is um, one of 12 Latino um, people who have traveled in space and he, he made a trip to the um, the space station and has a wonderful story to tell about his growing up and how the early influences in his life resulted in his uh, his efforts and his accomplishments. Um, he's an engineer as well as an astronaut and um, to his very wonderful credit he's he's anxious to as a part of his presentation on the 26th at the Historic Museum to have young people there. He is um, and very. I've heard it, had the opportunity to hear him speak. He's incredibly inspirational, 
And so we've been working collaboratively with the Historic Museum to connect through the Puente program at SRJC, the astronomy classes at SRJC, as well as, and Israel has put um, Joe in contact with the, um, the youth group at St. Vincent de Paul Church and, and, and with the youth groups at uh, Pitaluma High School and Casa Grande. And uh, Jose is going to make particular time to actually have conversation with the young people. In the event that I, where I heard him speak, he was surrounded by this, this crowd of young people and has the, uh, the presence and the patience and the um, commitment really to have that conversation with young people. So we're very excited about having him in town. So I, that event will take place at the Historic Museum at one o'clock. Yes. It's, it's very quick. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. And the Petaluma Historic Museum website has all of the details about that. So uh, it's the, it begins, it, Joe, um, Jose's visit is the 26th, and then, it, right, and that'll be kind of the, the opening. Oh, the closing, excuse me. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad you were here, Don. Thank you. That's great. And um, the only other thing I wanted to comment on is that the Public Art Committee has been meeting, and, and Scott will talk about this in his report also, and they had a special meeting um, to begin to, to finalize and to review the revisions in the master plan of the master plan and the ordinance. And the revisions have been, have been very successful, and the Public Art Committee is focusing, we'll be focusing on permanent art in the community. And we will also have the benefit of, of a staffing liaison, which for at the time being will be Heather Hines, um, who has been working with us as we worked through the revisions. In addition, um, there will be $10,000, up to $10,000 in staff uh, resources that will be a part of that a part of that project, a part of those projects, and um, that that will be coming out of the Public Art Committee's budget. So I think that's my, those are my reports. Anybody else have anything they want to add at this point? Comments, questions? Okay. Great. So building and grounds manager report. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I wanted to speak to the, the veterans plaque as well a little bit. I am meeting with Joe Noriel at the museum tomorrow um, afternoon with um, members of the Petaluma Rotary who we've already been working together on uh, re-landscaping uh, re re around the gazebo. They had installed a, 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 um, a concrete pad right before the Veterans Day Parade and they have a, a bench that they're going to be installing there. So in that process we had, they had presented me with a, a new plan for a planting, um, red, white, and kind of blue palette of plants and flowers. We removed some of those old round sh shrubs that have overgrown the space. Um, so we're going to touch on, um, on that project and tied in with the replacement plaque. I've made the suggestion that it um, possibly be maybe a stone monument, etched stone monument, so it's not a, a met something metal that somebody would want to steal again. Um, so we will be um, working out kind of a 
solid plan tomorrow. I think we'll, we'll know what we're going to do and, and which direction to go. So there's a few other players in there as well. Um, so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll happen pretty quickly in terms of um, getting that plaque back in and the, the whole gazebo area re-landscaped. It's going to look nice. Great. So we'll kind of tie it all together in a way. Did, did you have a question? Well, I was just wondering if there was going to be any change, uh, any significant change. Shouldn't that come before the commission? Um, it can. I, it was just going to be replacing the, the existing plaque in the same location, I think. And No, I'm, that's what I meant, is if there's going to be significant change. I, oh, you know, no. I wasn't clear from what you were saying. Oh, no, not significant. We're going to just replace the existing plants with new, new plants. And, and well, that bench was already, I don't know if it was approved here or not. I don't recall. Uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Um, and yes, uh, staff has been working on our winter list of projects. One of which um, David referred to removing all the old flax that was planted at the base of the light poles uh, in the basketball court at Leghorns Park. Um, they just kind of overgrew the space, and they're very hard to maintain. So we're pulling those out and making it look neater and cleaner around those light poles. Uh, it's just one thing. We're fixing benches and signs, um, and just kind of doing sprucing up of, of areas where where we can when we're not out mowing and doing other kinds of high season kind of tasks. So they're out there working daily on on those kinds of projects. And other than that, that's my report for tonight. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. The next item on our agenda is the director's report. Thank you. I think in the interest of time, I'll just call your attention to the written report, except that I will respond uh, as, the, as the chair asked and, and uh, let you know that we expect to see the uh, art ordinance and master plan on, on our agenda next month. So um, I think we've, we've uh, been waiting for that opportunity. So I fully expect that that'll be the case uh, in February. And if you have questions about anything I've, I've, I've written, I'm happy to respond. Thanks. Any questions or comments for Scott? Hearing none and completing our agenda, let's adjourn.